everybody. Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio here on Anchor FM, or welcome to all of you listening via the podcast as well. As always, my name is Sean Alfinito, and I'm your host. And this is going to be episode seven of the Tech Perspective. And if you uh, have been tuning in on Anchor, you might have heard me mention previously that this episode of uh, the Tech Perspective was going to be all centered around basically just two topics. I wanted to talk first about the Pro consoles that have come out this year, so the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro. Talk a little bit about what my experience has been with them and where I think they might head in 2018. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about my uh, my experiences and my perspective with the latest version of the MacBook Pro, the 15-inch MacBook Pro. So uh, obviously this isn't going to be a review. Those have been out for a while. There's plenty of reviews out there. This is just going to be more around my experiences, my perspective on what I think of it and how useful a lot of the new functions are and the touch bar and also uh, talk a little bit about um, why I chose that over the uh, Surface Book 2, which was the other the other laptop that I was strongly considering. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump in with episode seven of The Tech Perspective for Wednesday, December 27th, 2017. All right, so I wanted to kick things off talking a little bit about the the current generation of game consoles, specifically about this new sort of pro-level console that we are now uh, being exposed to. So we have obviously the PS4 upgraded to the PS4 Pro and now the Xbox One S being upgraded to the Xbox One X. So, um, you know, when these consoles were first announced, I think they were met with some pretty heavy skepticism from a lot of people, especially from people who had already shelled out a pretty significant amount of money money for, say, the already upgraded Xbox One to the Xbox One S, and uh, even people who just spent a lot of money on a PS4 uh, not that long ago, and, and now being told that there's a better version available, but it's not quite a new generation, it's still a PS4, just better. Um, and so there was a lot of, uh, you know, sort of uncertainty around how well these consoles would sell, how much of a performance uh, gain you were going to see, and how developers would approach creating games for these new platforms. And having had both of them on their respective launches, so the PS4 I got on its first launch day, and uh, and the Xbox One X as well. Um, you know, I've had both of the Pro consoles now for quite a while, and I've had a chance to experience playing lots of d- different games and seeing how different developers approach making content for these consoles. And I have a much better grasp now on, I think, what I enjoy about it and why I think they may be selling better than some people expected and uh, where I think they might go in 2018. So... If, uh, if you guys were paying attention back in like November, some reports started trickling out. Specifically, there was one from Forbes that was discussing the fact that the Xbox One X was outperforming sales expectations. So, uh, and, and there was also some, you know, some limited information saying that it might actually be outperforming the PS4 Pro. And there's some good reasons for that. So the, you know, the Xbox One X is a more powerful and by most measures a better console uh, than the PS4 Pro, in, at least in terms of the actual hardware. You know, you've got a machine that is 40% more powerful than any other console on the market. Uh, it's definitely, you know, a huge leap in performance over the Xbox One, One S, and the PS4 and PS4 Pro. So, um, with that being said, I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious why there there is at least potential for people who are possibly considering buying one of the upgraded consoles going with the Xbox One X over the PS4 
Pro. Now, obviously, software development and software titles, especially as it uh, pertains to first party or third party exclusives, is definitely uh, going to play a big part in some people's decision. A lot of people will still argue there are much better exclusives on PS4 as a platform than on Microsoft's Xbox platform. And that's, I pretty much agree with that. That's mostly true. However, um, both consoles are, are a great value when you look at how they compare to something in the gaming PC space that could perform about equally as well. Um, you know, one of the things that's been uh, a real, I guess, a joy for me or a real pleasure out of owning these consoles is seeing how the developers approached making games for the, the PS4 Pro or the Xbox One X. So those, those enhanced titles. Uh, initially, I had a fear that developers were going to um, sort of skimp and just basically make the games look better, higher resolution, more, better assets, and, and just leave it at that. And that you would be probably somewhere playing playing games somewhere around the 30 frames per second mark and, and just with better visuals. And I'm happy to say that uh, most game developers have given you options. And I really think that that is a smart decision because everybody has a different preference. Some people will prefer to play the games at their best visual representation. So 4K resolutions, whether that be true 4K or dynamic scaling or checkerboarding, uh, and having all the bells and whistles turned on, all the best graphical effects, the best lighting, the best texture filtering, all those good things, and just play the game at a solid locked 30 frames per second. However, there are a lot of people out there that are FPS uh, obsessed and they love to play games at the highest possible frame rate. So for those people, uh, most of the developers are opting to give you an option to play the game in a sort of a speed enhanced mode or giving you the extra FPS, so playing it at 60 frames per second locked, but without all the extra visual upgrades and usually something closer to 1080p. Again, still fantastic option, a, fant a fantastic way to play if you're looking to get any type of an upgrade over what you might be experiencing on a PS4 or an Xbox One or One S. So the fact that these options are available and the fact that uh, developers are embracing giving people at least uh, a similar type of experience as to what you might get on a gaming PC in terms of being able to tweak the different settings to get the best gameplay experience for you is, is really refreshing and it makes me excited to see what game developers might do in 2018 once they've had even more time to, uh, to play around with, with development times and um, maybe even go back and, and enhance games that have yet to be released with a patch for the pro consoles. Now, in terms of which one is better, I'm a pretty console gamer agnostic or platform agnostic type person. I really don't care. Um, I certainly have franchises that I love on the PlayStation platform that I can't get on Xbox and, and vice versa. I love the Halo and Gears of War franchises on, on uh, the Xbox side. So for me, that's the reason why I own both. I was in a position where I had already owned an Xbox One S and a PS4, and to sell both of those on eBay, make a little bit of that money back, and then buy the upgraded versions uh, was not too wasn't too much of a kick in the pants for me. So you know, in, in terms of like who I think would be interested in buying these, if you haven't bought a console yet, if you haven't upgraded or if you haven't even purchased one or the other, let's say you bought an Xbox One on launch but never bought a PS4. Um, or vice versa, there's really no reason to not buy the pro versions. I feel like if you're in the market for a new console in any way, shape or form, um, 
I, I really can't make a good case for why you'd buy the base model Xbox One S or the PS4 at this point. Um, there's really no downside or negative side to, to purchasing the upgraded version of the consoles. You can either play them at 30 frames per second and, and have all the bells and whistles turned on if that's your thing, or if that's not, or if you don't own a 4K television, then you can play them at 1080p at a higher frame rate. So either way, you're going to be getting some type of benefit from upgrading to one or either of these pro consoles. Now, another thing to consider is the fact that I do think that as we head into sort of the beginning of 2018, especially during that time of year where TV sales blow up, which is right around Super Bowl time, I think that a lot of people will be upgrading to 4K televisions. And if you're you know, at Best Buy or Fry's or wherever you might be shopping for your new TV, there's a very good possibility that people may just end up grabbing either an upgraded version of their favorite gaming console as well, or, or if they don't have one, uh, maybe buying something like the Xbox One X or the PS4 Pro. Now, obviously, one of the big benefits to the Xbox One X as well is the fact that it does have a uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray player as well. So uh, for some people, that might be the difference maker. If they're not really heavy gamers, but they kind of think it might be fun to have a new gaming console, they might be more apt to purchase one that can be used as an Ultra HD Blu-ray player for their shiny new 4K television. So that's, uh, that's the hardware side. So let's talk real quick about the software side of things. So um, both the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One X have their fair share of outstanding titles that have been enhanced for the Pro versions of the respective consoles. Now, obviously on the PlayStation 4 Pro side, we have a little bit more room to, uh, to explore because obviously it's been out longer than the Xbox One X and developers have had plenty of time to patch both old existing games as well as making sure that their new titles are capable of performing and taking advantage of the, the new specs of the PS4 Pro. And really on both consoles, every single title that I've played on the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro has been better on its Pro Enhanced version or, or the Xbox One Enhanced, uh, Xbox One X, excuse me, Enhanced versions. So I really think that uh, you know, if you own a 4K TV, especially if it's on the larger side, you know, something in that 70 inch, 65 to 70 inch range, you're definitely going to to see the improved benefits of having a, a 4K presentation. And you're definitely going to be able to take advantage of HDR if your television is capable of it. And HDR is is an incredible, incredible experience. It's great for movies, but it's even better for gaming. So um, you know, if you've given the option, I typically default to choosing the, the 4K or the graphically enhanced versions of these games. And that's just because I am a visual person. I'm a graphic designer. I love good art. I love good art direction. And I really appreciate the, the graphical tweaks and perks that come from the pro versions. Now, definitely if I'm going to play online or in certain situations where I felt a game didn't perform that well uh, to begin with, then I may choose the locked 60 frames per second option if it's available. But um, so far, I've spent uh, the majority of my time on both PS4 Pro titles and Xbox One X titles playing in the graphically enhanced modes. So yeah, so I think that 2018 is going to be really interesting. I think that we're going to see more game developers be able to milk more and more power out of the pro versions of these consoles. Like, you know, I think if you look back, you know, each generation of game console has had games that looked progressively better 
as they started to age and developers have had more time to learn about how to maximize performance out of each console. And I think, you know, we are just in the early infancy at, uh, you know, game developers having access to these, these new pro versions or the upgraded versions of these consoles. So I think that, you know, when we look back, maybe when they've been on the market for two years, we might be truly blown away with what the games are looking like and performing like on, on these, these sort of upgraded, um, upgraded hardware versions of these consoles. So I'm pretty excited to see where things go in uh, in 2018, but uh, that's my thoughts on the Xbox One X and the PS4 Pro. If any of you out there listening have either of those consoles and you have some different thoughts or if you have some experiences similar to mine, you want to share those, leave me a call in or comment here on Anchor, or you can hunt me down on social media platforms at Gadget Reason and give me a shout there as well. So let's move on to the second topic I wanted to talk about today, and that is sort of my uh, assessment and my perspective on the latest version of the 15-inch MacBook Pro. Now, if you've been listening to the station for the past uh, couple of months, you heard me agonizing back and forth over which laptop I wanted to purchase, and I had narrowed it down to the entry-level 15-inch Surface Book 2, which in my opinion is the best overall value of the Surface Books. Uh, I'm just not into into paying extremely high premiums for increased storage size, And, and that's really the only major spec difference between the different models in the Surface Book 2 lineup. And it's very similar with the Apple side as well. Um, You pay a hefty premium for their SSD storage and RAM as well. So I ended up opting for the entry-level 15-inch MacBook Pro that has 16 gigabytes of RAM and a 256 gigabyte SSD. That was uh, perfectly fine for me. This is not my main computer. This is a secondary computer that supplements any time that I don't want to be sitting at my office. So, um, you know, my my 5K iMac is maxed out with, I think, 24 gigabytes of RAM right now. And it has, um, you know, tons of external hard drives added to it. And, and you know, I, I have plenty of storage if I need it. So uh, for my money, uh, I just didn't see the benefit of spending all that extra money just to get larger storage that I don't really need. But uh, with that being said, I did obviously get the the touch bar uh, version of the MacBook Pro. And uh, I did that obviously for more than one reason. Uh, if you look at the, the lineup of the MacBooks, you cannot get a the same specs in terms of the discrete graphics card in the non-touch bar versions of the MacBook Pro. And the same is is for the uh, the 13-inch to 15-inch comparison. I probably would have gotten a 13-inch MacBook Pro because, as I said, it's not my main computer. I don't need it to have the biggest screen on the planet. But you just can't get a one-to-one spec um, offering on both the 13 and the 15 inch. So I did go with the 15 inch because I wanted the extra graphical power for, uh, things like maybe some, some light 3d modeling, um, using Maya, uh, you know, obviously ZBrush doesn't use the graphics hardware, so that's not really a big issue there, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to have it there in case I needed it. Things like Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop can also take advantage of your 3d graphics card. And, uh, if you are familiar with the creative cloud suite, the newest uh, application or the newest addition to the Creative Cloud is Adobe Dimensions, which allows you to um, go back and forth between Photoshop and using 3D assets to create things like 3D packaging, mockups, or or really anything else. Um, and so it has a lot of cool features, and that also is going to take advantage of that extra graphical power as well. So. 
Um, my first, I would say my first week or so with the MacBook Pro has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, it's the first time that I've bought a new laptop in a few years. I've been perfectly fine using my, my uh, original 12.9 inch iPad Pro as a supplement to my my desktop computers and my PC that I have. So uh, it's the first time I've had a laptop in a while. And, uh, you know, I definitely wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be getting something that was going to feel crippled in any way. I wanted to be able to do the exact same types of work that I do on my desktop workstation on my portable computer. And that seems to pretty much be holding true. The, the power and the performance of the current gen MacBook Pro is pretty damn close to uh, you know, desktop class performance. It's, um, you know, it's a Core i7 processor and the 16 gigabytes of RAM gives you plenty of legroom. Like I said, the, the extra power that comes from the discrete graphics card as opposed to having just the Intel uh, graphics embedded in the CPU is definitely a huge bonus and uh, it really does truly perform beyond my expectations. I, I, I think I was expecting to have some things kind of chug along, especially when it comes to uh, maybe ZBrush or um, some Maya modeling. And I've been pleasantly surprised. Everything seems to work incredibly fast. I've done some multi-track audio editing on it with I think up to 27 tracks of audio. And I've done 4K video editing on it as well. All went perfectly smooth, no issues, no, no real um, frame rate slowdowns in the 4K video editing. Uh, I think maybe in the preview, there might've been a few times where I could notice a lag here or dropped frame here and there, but generally speaking, it's it's pretty much been uh, above and beyond what I expected. Now, getting into a little bit about why I chose the, the MacBook Pro over the, uh, the Surface Book 2. Well, it came down to simply just a workflow issue. Um, I went and saw the Surface Book 2 and I thought it's a phenomenally built, uh, well-engineered device. I really like the design and feel of it. I love the idea of being able to pop the screen off and flip it around so that I could use all the power that's included with the, the extra GPU that's in the base unit, but sort of be able to use it in tablet mode for something like ZBrush. But at the same time, um, you know, so much of my workflow is dependent on my rather large iCloud storage subscription and a lot of other factors like the fact that I use Logic Pro 10 and Final Cut Pro 10 or Final Cut 10 as my video and audio editing applications, I really did not want to have to readjust to using uh, the equivalents in Adobe. So I could have used Adobe Audition and Adobe Premiere as sort of my replacements for Logic and Final Cut, but it would requ require me to learn a new workflow and it definitely would have slowed me down, at least in the short term. There's also the fact that there's a pretty big performance gap in terms of how Adobe Premiere performs when compared to doing the exact same edit on the exact same file in Final Cut 10. That's just the reality of it. There's been numerous tests. I think uh, Sarah Dietschy and MKBHD did a side-by-side -side comparison comparing on the same exact spec MacBook Pro, they did a 4K, I think, export using um, Adobe Premiere and Final Cut 10, and Final Cut 10 wins every time. Um, that's just the way it is. It's just the, the, the optimizations that Apple has, has put into Final Cut are incredible, and there's really nothing that can compete with that type of speed in terms of editing uh, large video files. So 
you know, I just, at the end of the day, that's really what it came down to. There was really nothing about either platform that, uh, or, or I should say, there was nothing about either piece of hardware that would have uh, prompted me to, to make one decision over another. They're basically the same price, uh, relatively, you know, same size and weight. The MacBook Pro is a little bit thinner, especially because it doesn't have that uh, that that hinge that sticks out on on the MacBook uh, or on the Surface Book 2. And so I really feel like you know at the end of the day, it really did just come down to the the operating systems and the available applications. Now, if Apple made Final Cut 10 and Logic for Windows, I think I might have been uh, even more tempted to buy the Surface Book 2. But in my opinion, if, if anybody is in the market for a new sort of powerhouse laptop, you really can't go wrong with either option. Um, you know, I, I still wish that, that Microsoft would up their game when it comes to trackpads. So obviously, um, you know, Microsoft has done a lot of work with the driver side of things to make the trackpad performance better and more comparable on Windows to, to what Mac has had for years. But at the end of the day, Apple has the largest trackpads on any lap. I mean, the, the trackpad on the Surface Book is so much smaller than on the MacBook Pro. The MacBook Pro trackpad is about the size of my entire palm of my hand. It's huge. It gives you plenty of room to drag around. And when you do things like uh, working in Adobe Illustrator, for example, for me, having that extra space to really slide my finger around makes a huge difference. Not that I spend a lot of time actually using a mouse for, for things like editing uh, files in Adobe Illustrator, but in the rare, you know, the rare situations where I needed to, or I may need to in the future, it's definitely a huge benefit to have a large trackpad to work with. Um, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they're both beautiful pieces of hardware. And I think that, um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, if I had unlimited money and resources, I probably could see myself buying both and really kind of experimenting using each one for, for different things. But at the end of the day, I really needed one machine that could kind of be my, my all in one stopgap for my workflow on my desktop. And for that reason, I chose the, the MacBook Pro. Um, so if you guys out there are in the market for a new laptop and you'd like me to answer any questions about either the Surface Book 2 or the MacBook Pro, feel free to leave me a comment or call in here on Anchor if you're listening via the, uh, the Anchor app. Or if you're listening via the podcast and you don't have that ability, just find me on social media at Gadget Reason and you can ask me some questions there as well, either just in my feed or via direct message. So that is, uh, that's gonna do it for my summary of my time with the MacBook Pro. And that's going to do it for today's episode of The Tech Perspective. Thank you once again to everybody that continues to tune in via Anchor or via the podcast. And if you haven't already, consider subscribing to the podcast or favoriting the station here on Anchor so that you can get more great content like what you heard in today's episode in the future. If uh, you guys have any questions or comments about the content in this episode, you can leave me a comment or call in here on the Anchor app, or you can just find me on social media at Gadget Reason and direct message me or leave me a comment right in my feed there. I'll be sure to try to get back to you guys. I think this is probably going to be the last episode of The Tech Perspective for 2017. So hope you guys have a happy and safe new year, and I will talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.